name is Anthony Hudson, and welcome to my podcast, The Masterminds. Please join me every month as I bring interviews with some of the very best in the world of sports, from top football managers, sports psychologists, and the leading experts in the world of analytics, team culture, and leadership. I'd like to introduce someone who I have a huge amount of respect for. What he's achieved down in Kansas is absolutely incredible. He's one of the most successful and longest serving coaches in MLS. And if anyone hasn't been down to see a sporting KC game, you need to get down there. What they've built, what Peter's built, what the club have built is absolutely incredible. So I'd like to welcome Peter Vermees. I'm curious as to basically how you got your philosophy. What were you influenced by? How did it come about? Yeah, I think it's actually pretty easy. I think um, it's two places. One is my upbringing, for sure. My parents were both immigrated from Hungary in 56, came to this country, escaped from Hungary because Russia was coming in and taking over. So they, you know, they escaped three times. The first two times they got caught. But so many people were doing it at the time. They weren't killing anybody. But when they got around to the third time, they were now starting to whack people at that point, just kill people. And so they escaped. They came to this country. So I imagine they came with nothing. Zero. No money. Couldn't speak a word of English. Nothing. And so, you know, I, I had a different upbringing than most American kids. Um, so I think it's that first. And the second piece is that all the coaches that I ever played for, I, I think I had a propensity to, to pay attention. I wasn't the guy, you know, I was the guy where if, if you're doing your, your, your game talk and you say, hey, on, on defensive corner kicks, this is what we're doing. I didn't just know my job. When we were done, I knew everybody's job. And so it was, it was more of, I don't know. I don't know if it's maybe it's my personality or if it's my um, love for the game. I don't know what it is, but it's just part of me that way. Like I pay attention. Like that was, it was something that always interested me. And so I think it's from all those experiences how I got there. Do you watch games or watch teams and do you see certain things and do you, you know, you like certain things? Did you adopt them or study them? How, how is that? Absolutely. So, uh, you know, I watch, I watch games from Spain, England, Germany. Uh, I'll watch Argentina, Mexico, uh, some games from Brazil or Uruguay. During the season? Yeah. 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 Because Portugal, reason being is because um, there was a time where I just, I, I watched anything that was on. But now I've become more and more selective based on, because I think for us, the way that we want to play, there are certain places that are the better places for us to get players to be in our team. And so I try to stay more focused on what, those leagues or countries are doing because it seems like those players are the ones that would fit best in the way that we play. So that's, that's what, that's how I do it. And yeah, I pay attention to things that they do in their team, maybe the way they're playing or how they're doing it. Um, I, I spend a lot of time looking at that for sure. Have you had time to go off and look at other coaches? Work? Yeah, actually every year, every, I would say every year, except for maybe two, um, I've gone someplace. I mean, so, so my ex teammate was Tito Villanova, who was a coach in Barcelona. So, uh, 
I remember I took Kerry with me. We went in 2000, the end of the 2013 season, went for two weeks behind the scenes, all of Barcelona. It was tremendous. We've been to uh, Man United, uh, Liverpool, Ajax. I mean, I I spend I spend time. Uh, this year, I'm planning on going to Bayern Munich. So, yeah, I, 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 it's something that I like to do. I take a different perspective, though. I, or I, 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 how do I say this? Um, I don't go so much to. Yeah, you can grab something here or there that you like. I go there for two reasons. One is I try to see that if if there's a if there's any correlations between the things that we're doing and they're doing, right? And then the other is is that. I look at the things that are not so much soccer related. I think it's really interesting. You look at Klopp right now, right? And so he brought in he brought in some guy the other day to speak to the team. Um, I can't remember what he does, but he's some he's somebody who's incredibly successful at what he does, and he he talked to the team. And I think there's a lot of um, value in doing things like that. Because I think being coaches, you're in front of your team a lot and you're speaking to them a lot. And there are a lot of times what happens is, is that they, you just get old. Could be during a season, could be during a week, could be during a stretch of games. And you have to be creative to get other things in there to try to instigate. I don't do it enough, but it's something I want to do more. Because I've also been here a long time. And so the fact that I've been here a long time, there are some players that have also been with me for a long time. And I could see me getting old to them. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I want to I, I protect them, me, the club, all of it against that. And I think that's yeah. a, it's, it's things like that is what I really, really look for. The other thing is I'm always really curious when I go to other clubs is I want to see their structure and how it truly works. All right. So they have an academy, a B team, and a, and a senior team. Like, I want to see, not that they have those, but how do, do they all interact with each other? Because I'm always interested in that 9 out of 10 don't interact very well. They're almost like, they're like isolated pods. The senior team has no idea what the B team or the, the, the academy is doing. You know, the academy is complaining about the B team and the senior team. There's just always something. And so... I try to spend a lot of time focusing on that and see how it works. I don't think there's any one right answer. I just think I get a lot of ideas from that. Is it philosophy first or players first? Like how, just, just say you don't have the perfect choice to get the club you want. Do you go into a club and, and you have your way of playing, your clear style of playing philosophy? How would you approach it? Would it be, would it be this is my way, how we're going to play? Or... or is it looking at really looking at the players you got and starting from there and building towards? It would be that. It would be that. So, so when I took over here, the 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 team was built as a four four two. I was I was not the coach. I would not. That would not be. That would not have been my preference. Um, I played in the. I played in Holland. I played in the four three three. I had a. A really um, good understanding, but more importantly, uh, I 
I see that formation as one in which you can do a lot of different things with it. When you go to the other formations, they become a little bit more difficult in transitioning to something else. So like at times, so, you know, we play a 4-3-3. A lot of times we have a holding midfielder and then we have two attacking. Well, if you're winning late and, and you're, and you're starting to feel that you're, you're getting a little bit overrun in the midfield, you just invert the triangle and you just go with two holding yeah, and you put yeah. one in front. And it's not a big, it's not a big drastic change. See, I, I don't know. My, my, my belief is, and maybe this is contrary to a lot of other people. And that is, I just don't think that players have the aptitude to change to multiple systems um, and, and do it well. And I also think it, it, it breeds uh, insecurity in the group. So I would 100% say that if I walked into a club and I would evaluate the players and try to pick based on what I had, and then I would start to move the team in a way as time went on to yeah. what I felt they could do best or what I thought would be best for the club. But the simple thing is that I think you 100% have to set your philosophy, your culture, your standards, all of that right off the bat because that's how the players eventually start doing the things that you want them to do, right? Because it's not coming in with some beautiful style and all of a sudden the guys are like, oh, this is great, now I feel good because that's going to wear off. What has to keep you strong is your is your culture, is your standard. And your culture always takes, you know, there's a, there's a, there's a lot of great books on culture, but one of the things I love about culture is that you constantly have to be monitoring it because it can, in a second, one negative thing can start bleeding the culture. And when it's bleeding, sometimes you don't even notice it. And when it's bleeding, you're starting to lose life and you have to be very careful. And there's a big difference between culture and confidence. There's a huge difference between those two things. A lot of team, a lot of people push them together, but they are different. Confidence is one thing, culture is another. You can still be a hardworking player. You can, you, can, you can try to meet all the standards. The results may not be coming your way, and that might be part of confidence, but you can always come and do the things that are part of your culture. Yeah. I don't know which one comes first, but I always look at it this way. If you're building a style of play, and it's one in which you believe in, and you're building it, I believe that eventually you're going to get results. Right, winning is going to become a byproduct of yeah. building that. But you know, you you brought up something that's hugely important. You go into a club, you have your way. You want to play, but you don't have the players. Well, in the short term, you have to coach to what you have, and then you you have to then start to try to do the, you know, the metamorphosis along the way. And and a and a big part of that is players. You've got to buy time and you, you, you got to find ways to buy time to do what you want to do. Yeah, and you got to start moving those guys out. The other thing that I think is very interesting when you take over a team is that I always think that the hardest thing for a coach is, is when you step in, it's hard to evaluate the current players you have and then any new players you bring in right away. It's hard to evaluate if they are the right players in the early stages because – when you don't have something already created, 
what are you me measuring the guy to? And so I remember the first year when I took over here, it took like six to nine months to evaluate evaluate whether or not a guy was good enough to be at this club. Whereas now, I, I can tell in the first month. Against what you do. But it's yeah. but it takes time. You know, and that's the word that everybody hates in our in our profession. They hate time. They think everything's supposed to happen now. But if you truly want to build something, building something takes time. Let's just say you have to you have to get a result. Next game. Everything rides on this result. Would you go away from your philosophy completely to get a result? Am I in a final? Final whatever it might be. Um, it's a must-win game. See, when people, see, when, like, I'll give you an example. Somebody asked me this last game, like, you know, is this a must-win for you? And I said, the only must-wins that I know are, are finals because that's what we all play for. And at the end of the day, that, that's, that's where the must-win is. Um, I, have, I have sacrificed games where we really needed to win to make a very strong point on an example of what culture's like in our club. So um, I had a really good player that didn't do something within the, in the way that we play and what, I, what our expectations are for players in, 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 a, in a prior game. And uh, it was just, it was completely unacceptable to what we expect. And I took him out of the lineup for the next game. And the next game was, it, it decided like, are we going to be second or are we going to be fifth? And I didn't start him. I left him out for the first uh, the whole the first half. And he came on and he gave the game winning assist. And it was a win win. The players understood why I left him out, and I, I explained to him. And he came on and he he stayed with the culture. He didn't. He may have been explained to the whole team. I did. Yeah, yeah, I did. I I, I showed them the reason why, and because I showed it on video that it's unacceptable in this club to to do that. So, um, don't, don't get me wrong. I, first and foremost, honestly, I want to win. I mean, I'm in this business because I want to win. But I don't think that you can win consistently or you can win championships or you can be competitive regularly or consistently over time if, if you don't have those other things in place. You know, the one-hit wonders are always there. You know, the team that gets on a roll and they win and then all of a sudden the next season they they drop off big time. You know, to be consistent over time, that's what we all strive for in our yeah. business. To be consistent from game to game, we strive for that. And to be able to do that, you got to have all those foundational things in place. And if you don't, you're, you're relying on the moment. And so I, I guess what I would answer to you is, is that if I know that it's going to give me a win, sure, I'll make the, uh, the adjustment to the way that we play and all those other things. But I also go in. I always make adjustments within the way we play. But, but I'm always going to stay true to what we're doing because I, I have a belief that I want to play our game better than the other team But does. you wouldn't go the opposite, would you? You wouldn't go the opposite way to get a result. Like no. completely the opposite. No. No, I wouldn't. Yeah. No, I wouldn't. Just, you know, and maybe I'm... Maybe I'm saying that today. Maybe eight years ago I might have said something different, but I'm saying that today. I've been I've been pretty consistent. I mean, since since I really took over, I went to a four three three and I've stayed with that all along and
So, so, so tell me, if you're saying years ago you may have done it, what, what, what would you say to a young coach who's coming through, who's got his first job, head coaching job, what would you suggest when it comes to that in we, terms of building a career? Yeah, I, I, think, I think what we said earlier, I think the first piece is you have to evaluate what you have when you yes. first come in. That's, that's, a, that's a given. I think you then have to spend the time working and building towards the changes you want to make, personnel, style of play, whatever it is, and you got to start moving towards that, and, and you got to do it gradually, right? Unless you're afforded the opportunity to do it the other way, which I don't think most of us are, right? It takes time to get kind of where you want to go. And so you got to do it gradually. I, I do think that you have to... Um, kind of like the first day you step in and you take over Colorado and you talk to the guys, you know, when you're looking at the room, you sit there and you're, you're looking at all the faces and right away when you're talking, you can tell like there's, there's a third of the room that are over here and they're like, they're in, I can see it on their face. They're they're They want to go out in the training field right now because they're in. And then you see this other third of the group, you know, and you're looking at it like they're out. They're thinking this guy's full of shit. He, uh, we've heard all this bullshit before. I don't want to hear it. And then you have the middle group are saying, you need to prove something to me. And so when you're in that world, it's, it's really is that it's, it's they're in, you don't, you don't have to convince them anymore. You got to prove to these guys that you're going to do all these things. And all those things aren't just what the training session looks like. It's, it's everything that you're doing around the club. And so I would say that for that young guy is that he's got to look at it more than just what's a training session look like. It's, it's, it's everything. And the other thing too is, is that I think any coach who gets into a professional environment has to be proactive with his relationship, with his relationship with the ownership group. Yeah, that's key. Your voice to them, not your yeah. voice to a guy who yeah. then kills you. Yeah. And you've been consistent over the years. It I've been fortunate. I have a good ownership. I have a great ownership group, but I've also made a very uh, conscious effort to work at those relationships. When you're winning, when you're losing, same thing. All of it. Yeah. Yeah. All of it. Weekly basis? Yeah. Sometimes, you know, three days a week. Yeah. I, I, I spend the time. I spend the time. It's, it's, uh, I think it's I think it's imperative because you may be along the line again. It's 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 never this steady climb, right? Sometimes you're going and you got a little dip and you got to come out of it again. And being able to talk through that because you got to remember your ownership group's not with you every day. They they're, they're, they don't see everything that's going on. But if you can verbalize that to them, you know, obviously they're incredibly smart people. They, they don't own the team because they're lucky, right? They, they own the because they've been successful in other businesses. And so that they just want to feel like they understand. And if you can explain it to them, I think it's a big, it's a big part of the process of building what you want. It's massive, isn't it? It is. It's, yeah. I, to me, it's, it's one of the massive. biggest things. And yeah. so many people, yeah. they don't, they're not proactive yeah. about it. That's right. They're yeah. waiting for it. Or, or, or they have a really, they have a, they have a, a, a snobbish effect in that, Ah, they don't know anything about soccer. That 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 doesn't matter. It's 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 their team. You, you need to spend the time to to uh, bring them along 
because there's other things that have nothing to do with soccer that they do know about, and they can be incredibly insightful to you. I mean, I've, I've learned a tremendous amount from my ownership group. Oh, unbelievable life lessons and things that I've used, you know, as, as, as I've grown with the club. Wow. Yeah. You, it, most guys always say, like, I don't have the time, or they don't want to meet. You got to force your way yeah, there. Yeah. You got to do it. You got to find the inroad. We were talking about Sean Dyche at Burnley. Like, I think he's done an amazing job overachieving. Small resources in relation to the rest of the team. Punching above his weight class. It's unbelievable. Yeah. Really. You look at Eddie Howe, Sheffield United coming up. Sheffield United come up, get to the Premier League. And they did it. I don't know if you watched them play, by the way. Some started. I saw the, I saw the games, yeah. I saw their, yeah. Three, five, two. The centre-arms were overlapping out wide. But they successful and overachieving. But And then I look at your club and yourself. There's a lot of money being spent in this league. A lot of money. Yeah. Like, how how, how are you consistently overachieving with, with the resources you have and, and building what you've built and being successful? Well, um... I think the, the 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 competitive aspect is is that I, I I think I said this to you once before, and that is you can have a, a a roster full of great players, and you could have that one hit wonder. I don't know many teams because Real Madrid is a little bit like that. They put this roster of players together, they change their coach friggin' regularly. And somehow they find a way to have success. That's that's to me, it's more a tradition. And the and and any player that goes there understands that. There's like a, you know, there's a the New York Yankees. Um, I, I'm a I'm a big fan of winning franchises in all sports, and why are they? So the Yankees. So they had this player who played for the Boston Red Sox, their, you know, their biggest rival. I mean, they've had this clash for a hundred years and there was a, uh, a player last name, Damon, um, played for the, played for the, uh, uh, Boston Red Sox. And they had some big battles against each other and his contract was up and he goes to the New York Yankees and he's going for his press conference. And when Damon was playing for the Red Sox, he had long hair, big beard, long hair, walks into the press conference. He's got a short haircut, shaved all the way down. No one told him that he needed to do that stuff. He just knew to do it because he went to New York Yankees. That's tradition, right? That's, a, that's, that's something built inside that organization that player knows when he walks through the door, this is the way it is here, right? And so... Being a big fan of that, I've always thought that if there was any way that we were, I've always always had really one goal, and that was I want to be consistently competitive. And we've been that for a lot of years. In this league where if you win, you are actually hammered because they take everything away from you and you lose any opportunity to be successful again because the parity aspect, they want it, they want it to keep changing. It's good for the league. It's good for the owners. It's good for everybody, right? So to to, to be successful year after year, look at look at uh, uh, if you just look at the last couple of teams: Toronto, first, Ben, uh, uh, Atlanta. You can see where this changes in our league, and it's because you 
it's built around parity and parity is if you're if you're successful we're going to take everything away from you and give it to the guys that aren't to bring them up and so being consistently competitive has been the goal i i truly believe that the biggest thing has been culture it's the difference it's the difference maker um i've said this a million times if i if you look at i've been here 13 years cumulatively transfer fees over over 13 years all added up all the years haven't spent more than four million dollars inter inter miami wow. just came in they haven't played a game yet they bought two players that combined they spent 23 million that's crazy i mean because we wind up getting guys that are free transfers because we have to wait and we have to bide our time and we have to be a little bit more we have to look under rocks that other guys aren't willing to look under. So we're looking at overachieving. So culture is key. It is key. And then the then the other stuff, doing the other things better than everyone else. And trying to, scouting. yeah, yeah, yeah. And then also knowing that you have to spend more time with guys. You know, I mean, it's just like uh, it's like I said before. I think it's one of the hardest leagues to to to, to coaching because you have to coach so much. You you have to you have to you have to do so much with the players that you wouldn't expect to do. You're like, what do you mean this guy's 25 years old? Why don't? But you have to, yeah. right? And 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 if you're going to be successful in this league, it's it's a big piece of it. And if you're a, if you're a, a, a you know, imagine imagine if Pep came here, it would it would he would have to spend a lot more time because he has such a high expectation but he can't get those same players in the team. So he's going to have to spend more time working yeah. with them. That's. Well, if you look at, if you look at Pep, I mean, his first year there, I mean, it, it was obviously the results since his first season have been unbelievable. The first year wasn't, it wasn't like that. And I think at the end of the first season, actually he changed quite a few players in there and, and upgraded. And how would you like to have, how would you like to be in a position where you could spend 80 and 70 million dollars on a left and a, yeah. and a right outside back. I mean, it changes the world for yeah. you, right? So what I'm saying is so like that's you... That's a different solution to the problem. It you? is. But think about... So you, you take over Colorado and now all of a sudden you come in, you go, I don't know, let's just say I got to change... And this is not unheard of. You gotta, I got to change 10 guys, right? Because you got a roster of, let's just say, 25 and you got to change 10 guys. How, how, do, you, how do you do that? And, and think, of the, think of the finances that you have. You know, it's, it's, a, it's, culture is everything, I believe. I think culture is just, a, obviously you gotta have, you gotta get players. You gotta get players for sure. But, you know, and I, I'm not, I'm not, it's no disrespect to any of the players that we've had here, but never had access to the, 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 the type of, if you will, in quotes, the names or the quality of players that a lot of the teams in our league have had. And, that's why you're able to compete is because it's a culture thing of, of the group. In your time coaching, have you seen a difference in the, I'd say the mentality, but yeah, mentality of players. And, and if you've seen a change, have you changed in communicating or dealing with them? Yeah. How much can they take in terms of information or even uh, strong direction? Has that changed over the years? I, I think it has. Um, I think... Some of it is, it's out, outside of the field. Contracts, the amounts of money, 
all of those things, I think they do have an impact, right? So if you have a, if you have a, a semi-guaranteed contract and you have a sprained ankle and, you know, the deadline for whether or not your contract becomes guaranteed is a month away, I'm sure you're going to hurry up and get back out playing as quick as you can. But if you have a three-year deal, the same urgency is not there. And so that, that, is, that, that outside influence has had a big, big uh, impact, I think, on mentality within the game. Um, I also think that there's other things. There's the medical. Um, people are incredibly accountable um, for things at times it's not even under their control, but they're incredibly accountable. You know, if a player winds up going on the field and he shouldn't, and now all of a sudden they're, they're liable. So you have these external influencers that you can't get around anymore. And so they've had an impact on the game in a much, much different way. Um, but I do think, yes, there are things that you can do. Um, one is I think, and we try to do that this year. Now we've been very unlucky this year, but because we've, we've sustained the most injuries that I've ever had in any one season here. But what that does to you culturally is, is, is the thing that's been the most educational thing for me. And that is, I really believe going into the season is probably the best team we've ever built in any roster year, because we truly had two guys in every position that we felt, I'm not going to say they were exactly the same, but man, you had some really good options, right? And what transpired was is that when you started to lose some of those guys due to injuries, there weren't injuries where it was like two weeks out. We're talking about five, six months out. Well, what happens is now that guy who is one or two, it doesn't matter, whichever one fell away. So if one was still healthy and two fell away, well, one knew I got nothing behind me. And so I, I, the best analogy I can say like this, I believe that a manager's job is this one very specific thing if you had to sum it all up. Your team administrator takes the team to the Grand Canyon, okay? And they get out of the bus and all the guys are looking at like, wow, this is beautiful. This is the most amazing thing that I've ever seen in my life. And they sit there for an hour and they're just taking in all the views, right? And they're just, they're amazed and they're talking about it and everything. The next day, I take the team there. And what my job is, is that I am to take them and walk them right up to the edge of the Grand Canyon. And so now they can't see the Grand Canyon. The only thing they're thinking about is, I better not fall off here. And I believe that's a manager's job. You got to get them to be, always be on the edge. To be on the edge sometimes is stuff that you can do, like you can wind them up a little bit, but the other has to be is there has to be competition within the yeah. group on a regular basis. And when you lose that, if you lose it only in a couple positions, it's one thing or a couple guys, but when you lose it in a mass number, the effect can be catastrophic because what happens is too is you got to remember Let's say you had the number one and then you had the number two behind them and you went into the season, this is the number one, but the number one now gets hurt. 
Well, the number two wasn't really built necessarily to be the number one for as many games now that he has to take on the burden of, and he's not, he's not ready for it. And so now he has no reprieve, right? If he's only playing maybe like three to eight games, he can do it. But now you're going to put him in 25 games. He's not built for it yet. And so all of those little things have such a knock-on effect to the overall complexion of your team. And so it, it, it's what, what then becomes difficult is evaluating your team because you're, you got so many influences to where you are. What, what do you pin it on? Do you pin it on injuries? Do you pin it on too, much, too many games for a guy that wasn't prepared? Is he prepared? Is he ever going to be prepared? You know, and you start asking yourself a lot of questions. And I think that's when, you know, I had a coach that always said, he said, you never can take the highs too high and the lows too low. And, and it's the same thing in the evaluation. Don't go with the best game. Don't go with the worst game. Kind of go where the guy usually is. And that's probably your answer. Well, how do you deal with tough times as a manager? Yeah, I had a tough losses. Yeah, I had a tough, had a tough time. Uh, the year we built our stadium, 2011. So 2011, uh, our first 10 games were scheduled on the road. And uh, so we knew it was going to be, you know, uh, we knew it was going to be an uphill climb. I'd never been in that situation before. So I can't tell you that I knew everything that was coming my way because I didn't. And I'll tell you the thing that I never really thought about until I got a feel for it, which was, and it's an amazing thing. So we have our first game on the road. Well, I'll tell you a quick little story prior to that. So I, I, I get this player. He's played at Real Madrid. He's played at AC Milan. Uh, Brazilian guy, um, Julio Cesar. We get him. We sign him. He's at the hotel downtown. So, uh, you know, this is maybe like two days before we go out in our first preseason. And he doesn't know a ton about our team. doesn't know a ton about the league. We sign him. We get him in. We think it's good signing. Go to the hotel. Walk in. He's having a glass of wine. He's having a glass of wine. He's, he's, he's having a glass of wine. And uh, no problem. And, you know, he's older. I'm okay with stuff like that. I have a, I'm, you know, people think that I'm like this, all these rules and all this stuff. I'm actually not. I actually give a lot of autonomy to the players because I think they have to be men. Um, that's what they're, I can't watch them 24 hours a day. I treat them like professionals. If they mess up, you know, that, then I'll deal with that when it comes. Um, but anyway, so. Drink a glass of wine. We come in, we sit down, we talk, kind of explain to him about the club, the league, the team. Blah, blah, blah. And, uh, and I say to him, I say, and uh, Zoran Savick, my assistant coach, he was with me. We were both sitting there. And I say, you know, look, we're going to have a real challenge the first 10 games of the season. Uh, first 10 games of the season are all away from home because our new stadium is not going to be built. We didn't want to go into this other place and play some games. We just figured that we'd backload the games. And he looks over and he says, why did you guys bring me here? And I was like, what? He goes, yeah, you guys are going to be fired after the first five games, right? So I looked at him and I said, hey, I'm going to outlast you, okay? I'm going to outlast you. So it, 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 it's, it's more of, you know, anecdotal, but so we go in, play our first game away from home, and we win one nil. Everybody's... Everybody's like, yeah, you know, everybody's feeling good. The next nine games, we lose six and tie three. And so 
we play our, our opening game within that 10. I'm sorry, the 11th game was with it. Uh, so it's our 11th game we play at home. It's our first game here at home. It's our, our, our inaugural game in the stadium. And so now let's talk about the 10 games. So I'm about four or five games in, and everybody's asking for my, my head. All the media, television, radio stations, blah, blah, blah. They, they want me gone. And you got to remember at that time, I'm doing it all, right? I'm doing the, the GM stuff. I'm doing the technical director, whatever you want to say. I'm doing everything. I'm doing all the contracts and everything. And I'm coaching the team. And so guys are slaughtering me because they're saying, look, I, I picked the guys. I coached the guys. I put it all together. It's, it's all, uh, obviously, I got to go. And I would come in every day and the media would do, because they, they're here every day. And they would, they would say, uh, you know, so do you think you're getting fired today? You know, do you think you're getting, you know, you think you're getting sacked? I was like, I never think about it. I never think about it. Because the way I look at it is, and I've always looked at it this way, and, and, and I really mean this, and that is, I know what I do every day. I know what, I, I know what my staff does every day. Um, I know what we're working towards. Um, and I feel good about that process that we're doing. If the people here don't want me, then I'll take my qualities and my abilities somewhere else. I can't convince somebody that I'm the, the right guy. What I can do is I can work, I can do my job, I can do all that, and I can do it to the best of my ability. If for some reason it doesn't work, I'm always gonna feel good that I, I put in the work that I needed to put in. If a game here or a game there doesn't go well and somebody doesn't like that and they decide to can me, that's part of the profession. And I can accept that aspect knowing full, full well I've done my job to the best of my ability. So I've been in that situation. So what happened was uh, there, were, there were two guys that were really all over me. One, one was television and one was radio. They were after me. So we had that first game at home, which was our 11th game. The, the next 24 games went undefeated. And we, we went from the last place team in the league to winning the Eastern Conference. And uh, we, made it to the, we made it to the semifinals of MLS Cup. And those guys came to apologize to me. And uh, I, was, I, I, I laughed because I, I uh, you know, it, 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 didn't, it didn't matter to me. I mean, I laughed because it didn't matter to me in that I'm not doing this for them. I'm doing this because this is what I want to do. This is what I love to do. I know what I'm doing. I know, and, and that's where you have to stay resolute. Because I knew that we were on our way to get there. It's just, when is it going to happen? And the last thing I'll say to you is that one thing I learned about those 10 games being out from home. So within there, we played an open cup game around the eighth game, which was separate of the league. And we came back home and we played in a, in a high school stadium just because we got the home game. We had to find somewhere to play. So we played it in like a, we have some big high schools here in Kansas City. So we played it at one of them. We won the game, I think, six to one or six nil or something against New England or somebody. And the thing that I never put into the equation 
is that our players were so excited to play in front of our fans and they wanted to hear somebody when they did something well, they wanted to hear some adulation and they had not heard that for, for eight games. And so when they scored the first goal and the fans yeah. went nuts, it was like, oh, let's go. And they scored like six because they hadn't felt that. And it was a big, big deal. And, I, and that's why if you look, every year when somebody builds a new stadium in this league, they go on this run. They go on the run because normally speaking, they didn't play at home for a long yeah, time. Interesting, man. And they get in front of their fans. And now they, 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 they're feeling it. It, it's amazing. It happens, it happens with everything. I remember calling uh, Ben Olsen and uh, uh, Dave Casper at, at uh, DC. And I said, they were like, they were, they were playing all these games. When I said, listen, I'm telling you, when you get your stadium, you're, you're going to go on a run. They went yeah. on an unbelievable run. Yeah, it was. It happens all the time. Just lastly, the way you articulated that then, about those 10 years, were you the same during those first, like, as a, as a, as a, as a mentality in terms of confidence, in terms of backing yourself in terms of being resolute, were you that way in those first 10 games? Yeah, yeah, I was. Yeah, I, I believed in our in our group. I thought we had a, a good group, and I thought it was just, it was like, we got to keep pushing towards this. We got to keep pushing. I, I would say that the, 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 the thing that helped that was that I had a younger group. And I don't mean like, 20-year-old kids. I mean, a younger group in that I had gotten rid of a lot of older guys and I had gone into this thing with this younger group because I saw them being sort of the ones that could help propel us for a number of years. And they had also uh, had, had really never accomplished anything and they were also hungry. And, and so all of those things right, were, yeah. were pieces that helped it. If, if you have an older group, I don't know if if you have the same. You, you, you gotta, you still gotta yeah. get that, find that hunger. Okay, Peter, thank you so much. Yeah, no problem. We've got a big game tomorrow. Yeah, I appreciate your time. Yeah, no problem.